0: Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie.
1: I'm your heartbroken neophyte, Frank.
0: And today we're going to be taking a look at Degrassi Next Generation Season 3, Episode 17, Don't Dream It's Over. Now to help us through this this pretty rough one, we have our buddy, Gwyn. Hey, Gwyn.
2: Hello, hello.
0: Before we get too far into this episode and get into some of the content warnings and all that type and introducing the plot... Very exciting news here at ye old home of Gwyn and Donnie because we successfully made a trip to Toronto last weekend, which is actually very nice. Um, it was a really good time. Um, it was nice finally seeing it in person because I feel like in DeGrassi, also like I feel, is Toronto one of those cities that's always used in in film like all the time.
1: Yes, that yeah. in Vancouver.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like those two cities I, I was familiar with by by uh, virtue of watching movies that were filmed in those two lo- in, in uh, Toronto.
2: T- to my understanding, it's the fake New York. <laughs>
0: not that it was fake New York. I believe that it was pitched to us by friend of the show Finch as Canada's...
2: No, no, no. I mean, like, a lot of film studios film in Toronto when they're trying to do New York because it's cheaper.
0: Yes, because it's too expensive to film in New York. I was, like, getting nervous that you were calling Toronto fake New York, and I was like...
2: No, no. I mean, it tries to emulate New York, for sure. But that's a different story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I learned it is very big, and I totally understand... Like, it it makes more sense now that I've actually seen it, and, like, I, I feel like the world building in Degrassi, it's like... It's fairly based in the in the Toronto area, you know, it, it, things feel relative in terms of location and stuff like that. But I do kind of understand the vibe of the surrounding area now a little better, because it seems like where Degrassi Street is, uh, which Finch took me to, which is very exciting, um, you kind of get the vibe that it is one of those, like, very tightly packed communities where a lot of the houses are kind of on top of each other, which we do see in the show. Like we do see these very tightly packed homes, um, and, you know, the pretty quick access to the city and things like that. So so it does help deepen my understanding of kind of where geographically the Degrassi world is based in, which I'm very happy for.
2: And most importantly for any of you who who took a peek at the uh, the Twitter page. Um, there was a photo taken at Degrassi Street, which is which is spelled differently than in the show. It's two words instead of one. But hey, Degrassi Street.
0: Yeah, although the park is spelled without a space in between, ah, which is interesting. Uh, the community park is just Degrassi, <clears throat> one word. But um, it was very exciting. Also, apparently, Degrassi Street is a very short street. I did not really know that. It's yeah, only it's like, like two blocks. Yeah, it's only like two <laughs> blocks long. But um,
2: big things happening on those two blocks, right? Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the kids of Degrassi Street, all six of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was also kind of fun because like it, there's like a lot of like little cafes and things like that. So it kind of makes sense that a place like the Dot becomes like a kind of epicenter in the series and it because it, like it just you notice that there's a lot of like kind of those smaller little hangout areas and that in that whole entire neighborhood it's pretty nice also trolleys that don't really work
2: i think you just had a bad experience i think it was just unlucky they looked very beautiful and sleek
0: they're very beautiful but according to finch that was a common occurrence we literally were on a, a trolley it stopped the the conductor had to turn it off and on again for us to continue like at one point it like sputtered like it legitimately like would go like an inch and then stop go an inch and stop and like you could tell he was trying to make it work
2: (laughs) Uh, yes this is this is it have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again well
0: the best part was the conductor just at one point he's like it's not really working don't really know why I'm going to turn it off and you, you know, every, the AC is going to like, or like the air is going to turn off for like a minute, but I'll, I'll see if it works. If not, you'll have to p- get the one behind here. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as though I'm on NJ Transit every day, it was like, this is familiar.
1: <laughs> hey, Canada, I know we keep talking about a show that's like kind of one of your maze days, but we're also going to keep shit talking you. <laughs>
0: Well, it just sounds like, according to Finch, who lives in Toronto, that is not an uncommon occurrence, and I was amused. Also, the aquarium was sweet. Friend, of, We got to see friend of the show, Hannah's beautiful lobster babies, which was also very exciting. Yeah, the,
2: the Ripley's Aquarium was really, really thematically well done.
0: Oh, it was beautiful. They had a, they
2: had a nice, you know, nice, like, aquarium tube, like, you walk through the tube and the water's over top. Yeah, that was good.
0: That was really good. Music, very immersive. No music bleed. You go between the exhibits, you don't hear part of the other one, which is a big ol' gripe that I have at various amusement and theme parks. So, big fan. Great sound system. Great fish. Right. Anyway, Toronto. It's really cool. Try and go see it, if you have the chance. Um, anyway, so we're gonna be checking, taking a look at Don't Dream It's Over. Uh, before we get too far into talking about the episode itself... As opposed to Gwyn and my lovely Canadian vacation, um, Gwyn, would you like to introduce our A plot and our B plot? Uh,
2: sure.
0: Do you do content warnings? Yeah, first? No, we don't do content warnings. I mean, usually I do that after the A plot okay. and
2: B plot. Well, know. well, they're they're very pertinent because our <clears throat> our A plot for this is um, if you've been following the series, you'll know the name Rick. Um, he he's 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 wormed his way back into the plot. Um, after. I, I, I didn't see the actual episode but he was in he was an abuser of Terry in a, in a brief relationship they had and he's wormed his way back in and, and this is the a plot deals with 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 him and and Terry's friends kind of responses to him appearing again and all kinds of messy just just messy uh the B plot is um a little lighter uh so <laughs> To, to my unknown de- delight, uh, Ellie has decided to to strike up a relationship with um, with Sean, which I was told happened during the Breakfast Club episode, which sounds delightful. Um, and <laughs> it, it, the b plot we'll, we'll talk about it, but it's just their trials and errors of, of starting that relationship. And how does how does Ellie's best friend Marco fit into this with this new boyfriend?
0: Yeah. Um... And before we get too far into the discussions itself, some content warnings, we're going to be talking about intimate partner violence, both scenes depicting it as well as kind of the further consequences of it. Um, The actions do result in head trauma and hospitalization, so we'll also be talking a bit about that. Um, There will be probably some discussion about ableism. um, And there's going to be a lot of just discussion of processing how to handle or how not to handle when someone you know is going through this type of stuff so there's a lot of just like interpersonal conflict and just really hard discussions that kind of happen and hard thoughts that kind of happen in in the show that we're going to be unpacking Um, it's a I personally found this episode to be very well done but very emotionally taxing in general
2: yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. Um, in terms of execution.
0: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> bef- so I'm thinking we should do the B plot first.
3: yep it oh,
0: kind- of course. It kind set- of set has. Course. Yeah, like please let's <laughs> let's start there. Um, the B plot I also feel like. I don't know, the A-plot and the B-plot I felt were very harmonious in this episode. They felt very right together, because they are about relationships and boundaries and communication and what can happen when that does not take place. Just in two very, very, very different directions. Um, So we open up this plot, Snake is back at school, and he's very, very excited to just be alive and be in class He's passing back pop quizzes, um, and he's just like super jazzed. Like, you can tell that, you know, he is feeling a lot better, not just like physically, but emotionally he's feeling a lot better, which is great. Um, And as he's passing things back, Marco gets up and gives this like very heartwarming, like, we're happy you're back. Like, we didn't really like the sub, which is very, very sweet, but I need to draw attention to his outfit. Of course you do The thing about Marco Okay, literally there's like this one moment Where like, so Marco's getting up and he's Making this speech and as he's making the speech Ellie is in in the background She's in
2: full tilt goth
0: Yeah, and I kind of (laughs) like, Gwyn and I paused it Because we were watching it together, we were taking notes And as we were (laughs) As we paused it, I went, oh look Here's both of my aesthetics in high school (laughs) Because Ellie's in like this Full like classic goth, really big Black belt, typical Ellie Fair. Marco, His first off, his hair is like flat ironed, which was all the rage back when we were all in high school. Um, He's wearing like this kind of black and gray track jacket. Um, But the most important detail is like he's wearing this weird multicolored dirt bike graphic tee.
2: He's, wear old, he's wearing a, a youth large child
0: shirt. Yeah, like, he's that's dr- what he's, he's dressed like a 12-year-old. He is. <laughs> like, straight up, dressed like a 12-year-old. And that's, like, all I could think about while looking at him. It was very, like, like what I would wear and, like, my phase where I'm like, no, 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 I'm not trans mask. I just like wearing boys' clothes. It's fine. But it was a lot. Um, but yeah, he gives this very heartwarming little speech. Um everyone claps, everyone's super excited that Snake is back, and as they're and as the class wraps up, Marco and Ellie Oh my god. Dahlia just launched for Frank's body.
2: Dahlia. They <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> We've talked about this. Oh, she embedded a claw on the Tums.
0: Oh, no! Oh, she does not. She needs to do better at boundaries. Oh, God. Do you need I'm a sorry,
2: break? Frank. It's fine. i okay. If you don't, if you don't, you have to give her no purchase. Yeah. <laughs> or she will jump into your lap. It's true. Like, sure. like, zero. It's like, like you can't if your lean... arms is about, like, like, you have to have your arms yeah. up, like, barricades. You,
0: it's like how you can't lean forward or she'll jump on your back.
2: What like, they do that too? She did that Who at did the that? end
0: of... Dahlia oh my did God, that at, Dahlia, the, you at the end of one of our episodes. It was like, I forget which episode. It was literally, I was giving the send-off. Dahlia just fucking launches onto my back. I just scream the last bit of it because Dahlia's like fucking just digging her claws into my shoulders.
2: We were doing our best to train these babies, but she is the biggest baby. Yeah, oh, so I'm wonderful. baby Dahlia. Dahlia, go away. We're doing... Important
0: podcasting. Human business. Human okay. Business.
2: <laughs> um, but, uh, these cats are the rotary
1: phones of old movies. <laughs> like, they're just adding so much time to our podcast.
0: We can always edit it out. <laughs> but
3: yeah, right. um,
0: but anyway, so Marco and Ellie are chatting after class, and they're specifically talking about how they're planning on going to see a Bollywood double feature. This is a really nice callback to um, er, last season where... Um, They were talking how this was like a big connection between the two of them and Ellie wanted to kind of imitate some of the Bollywood aesthetic when when directing a project because it's what Marco likes. So it's nice to see that there's some consistency there. Um, As they're discussing this plan, Ashley kind of materializes and brings up that Sean's not going to be interested in a Bollywood double feature. Ellie is just very upfront, saying, like, well, you know, he doesn't have to be a part of this. Like, this could be a Marco thing, Marco and me thing. Like, we do, we should have our own space. And Ashley brings up, like, you know, change isn't bad, Elle. Like, bringing Sean into this and having to adjust yourself for it isn't the end of the world. In fact, it's part of, like, being in a relationship. <laughs> uh, to, which,
2: to which she does bring up the important point that her friends are important, too. She doesn't want to be that girl that becomes all about her boyfriend and forgets her friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I do uh, appreciate. There's two it. sides
2: of this of this coin.
0: Exactly, exactly, and it's it's like one of those things where I actually was like, yeah, no, that's true, but um, we'll talk more about how that can be a bit of an issue later. Um, but we have a scene change. We're in Caitlin's studio. Caitlin's kind of watching play. It was like watching a playback of one of her reports with Ellie. Um, and Caitlin's like, oh, like, uh, why am I like this? And Ellie's like, it's fine, I like it. And it's kind of like, you could tell they have a nice relationship.
1: Well, it's about um, security cameras. Yes, yeah. It's just like, who could be watching you? <laughs> and I think, like, one of the things is that there's multiple Caitlyn faces.
0: Yes. There are. So. It is it is cute though. I do like that the two of them appear to be genuinely connecting and like this co op actually is Caitlin being involved in Ellie's life.
1: I do also like the fact that like Caitlin is like one of the most awkward characters we encounter throughout yeah. the show. And yet she somehow landed a newscaster job.
0: I think it kinda works because I feel like with, with Caitlin a lot of it has to do with kind of more her her ability to just kind of just, like, go hard into things and research and all of that type of stuff. So I feel like... No, it's fine. <laughs> it's
1: fine. <sighs> I, I, listeners, I was inspecting the damage to my toms and I have a scratch from my belly button, like, onto my tums, and Gwen was going to rise up. I'm assuming just go
2: spray Dahlia. No. Do you want like a band-aid? I'm good. I'm good. Neosporin? Fine. Do you wanna wash it out? It looks bad. I'm good, I'm good. This is
0: really good podcasting. I've had,
1: I've had many cat scratches before.
2: Okay, on your belly button? <laughs> it's gonna be painful, Frank. You're gonna wake up and you're like be like in the morning be like, oh scratch my belly button, and then you are be like, ow! And then you're gonna be jolted out of sleep and disturbed. It's fine. And you're gonna start your day off terribly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my days already start terribly from Robocalls from Aperture and John
0: You're getting Those too?
1: <laughs> oh my god Those fights, um, yes <laughs>
0: Oh my god getting robocallers from Azerbaijan.
1: I've been, um, I actually have a little map that I've been keeping track of where I've gotten calls from. A lot of Eastern Europe.
0: Yeah, same. Georgia,
1: Somalia. Well, Somalia's not Eastern Europe, I know that.
0: I have gotten a Somalia call. I wonder if we're like on the same list. <laughs> Which would be weird because we're two different area codes.
1: Yeah, anyway, um, so then who rolls up? It's Slim Shawnee.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Slim Shawnee rolls by and as soon as he does, Caitlyn's like, Oh, I gotta go. Oh, Slim this shot. is not this is not for me. <laughs> um, which is like I I don't know, like Caitlin, there's so- you know what it is? I, I quite like when Caitlin is in kind of this, like, mentorship position in the sense that there's space between her and her responsibilities to the kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like when it's a mentor, she has a reason to be working with them. She has a reason to, like... She has objectives. When she is like, in a relationship with someone and trying to connect with that kid, it, she's all over the place. It's unstructured. She doesn't know what the fuck to do. But, like, in the context of, like, having a co-op with a kid, I quite like her in that position. But... She like sees that Sean's here. And she leaves, um, and Sean is very excited to ask Ellie if she wants to see an action movie on Saturday. Which I don't. I did not write down the title, but he was like.
2: Elimination round three. <laughs>
0: like he was like totally like yeah that, and Ellie's like, huh?
2: <laughs> she does not even realize like that's a film.
0: Yeah, like. And
2: apparently it's a franchise. Like part three.
0: In my heart, he he wanted to say Fast and the Furious, but he couldn't say it. Because of copyright issues,
1: <laughs> with family. In my
0: in my heart, that's what Sean is into, which I feel yeah, like is sense. totally in character. <laughs> um, but she is kind of apprehensive because the plan would be to see it on Saturday, which is when the Bollywood doubleheader is, and she. But in spite of her being apprehensive, she says yes to the plans. Oh, oh yeah. she straight
2: up lies. Like, yeah, like he asks her, do you have plans? And she thinks about it for half second and says, no, I have no plans.
1: Yeah. um, It's a a pretty classic plot.
2: Except It's classic, but then we get the twist.
0: Well, what I like...
2: Oh, sorry. What I like
0: about it is I feel like this is a type of plot that's dominated by your, like, popular kids. Like, this is a type of plot that I feel like the, the predictable thing to do would be have, like, your Sean, Hazel, uh, not Sean, uh, Hazel, Spinner, Paige, Jimmy, like, that group of kids have that type of plot, and I like that we have, like, the weirdo kids (laughs) dealing with this issue.
2: Sure. And, like, you know, with that chirp comes, like, the, oh, my friends feel jilted, and and now I'm being with my boyfriend, but I have to balance both, and that kind of thing, and Mm there's a little bit of a twist to this because Ellie's resolution to this is not to completely bail on her friends rather she 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 thinks it's a good idea to make a compromise and bring Marco to the film too exactly so so he's coming along on this on this date and well, We'll talk about
0: it. Yeah. So Ellie, Ellie, and Marco go into the theater. Marco's just kind of like he's just like running his mouth. He's like, "Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fucking great." Like he's just totally like <laughs> thinks it's hysterical that this is what like they are doing <laughs> with I, I, their Saturday.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for this movie. That's probably going to throw out the F slur at some point.
0: <sighs> oh, uh, sorry, Frank.
1: I'm sorry to bring it down but we You're were right. Talk, we were yeah. talking. No, rank. yeah,
0: we were talking. Yeah, we've talked about like action we movies. We talked about it last week. Yeah, no, you're right. Like <laughs> And also,
1: yeah. also I found out the um the poster for Elimination Round 3. Okay. Which I'll give it credit for.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, there's some there's more diversity on that poster than some of these episodes.
1: <laughs> it's just it's two dudes in tank tops, like a black dude and an asian dude in tank tops with guns
0: (laughs) yeah you know sometimes tank
1: tank tops and khakis
0: yeah you know sometimes it's all you need but like but yeah it's it's one of those things
2: i mean you know i'm not here to throw out like gendered ideas of girls films guys films but this is a guy film and this is your first right first date yeah Sean,
0: <laughs> Sean, Sean.
2: I think I. I don't
0: think Sean's ever been on a date outside of Emma. I don't think he he and Amy went on a date. I don't get the vibe that Amy and him dated.
1: I think their date was like a six pack at the local ballpark.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't get the vibe that they they were they were kind of a dinner and a movie type of couple. Um, maybe they were, maybe I'm wrong But
1: um, and I think the one date we saw between Emma and Sean, they were supposed to go to a movie Then Emma thought she lost her wallet
0: Yeah, exactly, and that was whole, that whole thing Was thwarted pretty pretty Decisively Yeah. Um, this whole area is cursed, this movie theater Um, but Not only is Ellie bringing Marco, but this appears to be A double date situation with Jay And Alex Which is <laughs> great great awesome
2: anyway th- this is my favorite part of this was Jay trying to be his cool standoffish self um, sees Marco walk up and he just goes right Alex go get me some popcorn
0: and Alex just looks at him. <laughs> Chewing gum, I'm pretty certain. And goes, give me 20 bucks and I will.
2: Which, I love her already. This is my first time I've ever seen her and I and I love this character.
0: I love Alex. (laughs) So, I mean
1: popcorn, so just just like a dollar for the popcorn.
2: Yeah. (laughs) $19 profit. Yeah, yeah, she knows what she's about.
0: She knows. I love her. I love her so much. Um,
2: Needless to say, he does not give her $20. No, they they go together.
0: Um, And of course, Sean (laughs) is kind of looking at her a little confused. And once Jay and Alex leave, Ellie clarifies that, you know, she had made plans with Marco. um, And, you know, it's only fair to kind of bring him along because of it. And Sean seems pretty bummed out, but he also doesn't say anything about why he's feeling bummed out by this.
1: But we all, like. Sean, like, was there any discussion of Alex and Jay?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like that, like, I feel like that's a bit of a surprise. Not to say that, like, double dates are bad, I say, as if I've ever been... When have we ever been on a double date?
2: Fuck if I know.
0: I don't think we've ever been on a double date. Anyway.
2: Have you ever taken a double dare or physical challenge? No. We did do that pre <laughs> with Katie and Kelsey.
0: That was a double date. I consider that a double date. Yes,
2: I think that counts.
0: Okay, so maybe one. But, like, the vibe of a double date versus a, a single date is different, right? Like, I feel like I would want to know if I was going to have another couple sprung upon me when I was going to see a movie. Yeah. I would argue the, the couple, unless I'm friends with the couple, because that's the other thing. Like, Jay and Alex, like, I don't know if Ellie Ellie has spent any time with those two. Like, I feel like that's different from, like, my two pals who happen to be together.
1: I feel like a double date is only valid if it's just, like, the two people know the person they're introducing you to, to kind of, like, help break the ice,
2: you know? So, like, so, like, you're, this is the first time you're, you're you're dating with the person? Yeah. like, like, oh, I have this
0: friend, we have this friend.
2: Yeah, I feel like when you're already established, couples just like y'all pound out.
0: Yeah, right. It's
2: not, it's not a date. We're just gonna be <laughs> bros. Yeah. Anyway, this Either. is really not important.
0: Anyway, no, but the vibe is, you know, that is a bit different. I I, I agree. What, I,
2: what what is important is we get to the movie, and you know, guns <gasps> are ablaze. Oh, it's a God. typical action movie, and Ellie and Marco are laughing their fucking heads off. They're just like oh, hysterical my God. in this movie theater. Everybody's like you know, typical action movie, moviegoers, um, pretty intense in, in, in watching it. They're just, they're just here, they're just having a ball. They think it's the funniest thing ever.
0: Honestly, like, that's me watching action (laughs) movies, so, like, I felt that deeply in my soul watching the two of them.
2: Sean is, like, trying. He's trying so hard to, like, put his arm casually around Ellie, but... But then, then Marco's there, like laughing into her shoulder, like just, just guffawing.
0: I think they both reach for her popcorn at like yes. the same time. At one point, <laughs> Alex pours popcorn on Marco, which is also really good. At least I think it's her. But it's like it's just like Marco's just running his mouth, and then popcorn. It's either is, like, Alex or Jay. I,
2: I imagine it was Jay throwing popcorn at Marco because he's a bully. In,
0: in my heart, it was Alex. just That's going, Shut too. the fuck up. <laughs>
2: But, but you mentioned it before the, the... that... Co- that popcorn cost me $20. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the one scene that killed me the most was Sean goes to reach for, for Ellie's popcorn and touches a hand. He's like, oh, did I touch her hand? Was it that that oops, casual mistake, touch of hand? No, it's Marco's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sean just like, Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, you poured
1: oh, it out. Give me another oh, popcorn. It's such a mess. Another twenty dollars. God damn it!
0: <laughs> it's, a me- it's just, it's just so much. I I was very amused. I mean, another thing that's really nice is like, it's nice to see the uh, duality of kind of Sean and Ellie's situations because like, the episode before got really heavy, like, it was very joyous at the same time, it was very affirming, but it's still heavy, it's still about, like, we are two fucked up kids, and people have misconceived, like, you know, preconceived notions about us, and it sucks. Now we're seeing kind of this goofiness happening. They're still kids. Yeah, they're still kids, and, like, that's why I like that they put this trope, which could have gone to, you know, different circles in the Degrassi cast, It went to these two weirdos and Marco, who's also a weirdo, let's be real.
1: It did The thing I'm constantly asking Degrassi to do, which is, like, just take these characters to a movie. Yeah. Like, just take them somewhere they can relax, (laughs) because they go through so much.
0: They really do. Um, So, the next scene we have with this plot has to do a little bit with the A plot. It's mostly Ellie and Marco talking at the staircase. Um... Ellie's kind of bringing up her feelings about the Terry situation and kind of how torn she kind of feels, because she isn't sure how involved she should be, because to her, she didn't really know Terry, but Ashley was obviously friends with Terry, is friends with Terry. So, like, she's very having a lot of complicated feelings of talking to her friend about it. Um, As they're having this discussion, Sean materializes, Um, and everyone's having their lunch. They're on, like, the steps in front of the school. And he kind of just flops between Ellie and Marco and, like, shoves Marco, like, into the middle of the staircase. And
1: Marco's just like, alright, cool,
2: whatever, I'm done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, fuck, and just stomps off. Um, and Sean is just like, what? I wanted to be alone.
2: He, He wanted to spend some time alone. Yeah. Just wanted to spend some time alone.
0: And Ellie's like, well, you got it. And gets up and leaves.
2: Sick burn. Oh my god! So like, Sean, what were you thinking? Like, they're having a good conversation. He literally forced himself between the two of them, sat down on top of like Marco's thigh, and then pushed him away.
0: The only thing I would say is we're talking about a kid who has very (laughs) is very inept socially in these types of situations. Is Um, he? Sean! Yes, but I also feel like the energy that Ellie and Marco probably bring is very intimidating.
2: Oh sure. Like they're they're definitely way closer to each other than he is yep. at all at this point.
0: And not only are her. they close, but like it's it's just kind of like the way they they talk to each other, their body language, everything like like where they were on the stairwell, like they were close. Not to say that like, you know, that means any romantic things or anything like that. They're just a very close pair that are very they like they're on the same wavelength a lot of the time. So,
2: does he? Does he know? Does, is Marco out at this point?
0: Sean, does Sean know?
1: I can't see a way he doesn't. He's hanging out with the boys, was he?
0: Yeah, like it, he didn't explicitly come out to Sean because Sean was kind of not a part of that hockey ticket thing, right? No, no but but I feel like he has to be pretty but, I feel like something. I feel
2: like he would have been acting a little bit differently had he thought marco yeah could be involved mm-hmm. i
0: couldn't figure out if the popcorn thing was like an indicator that yeah maybe, i was thinking probably but i feel like there would have been a second <clears throat> scene to reaffirm it if they were gonna go full tilt he's, i mean
2: no sean's not a, he's not a bad kid though at least in terms of like well he said mm. some shitty oh, he? he
0: he has he's, said some shitty things about specifically oh, like did I he I use the f-slur yeah, yes, we, yes he used, used the f-slur. f-slur we had a
1: long discussion about how much we did right. enjoy that. Yeah,
0: right yeah he used the f-slur i kind of
2: just attributed that all to Spinner. Sorry, Spinner. I it mean, it all you. It was mostly it was, you.
0: It was mostly you. Well, that,
1: this but is, not only you. This is why I think he n- has to know. Yeah. Because of Spinner. Of Spinner's. That's like, true. Spinner intentional running outing. his mouth.
0: That's true. Like Spinner ran his mouth and everything. And Jay also had some <sighs> choice words about that. I feel like Sean just knows just by by the you know, he he's surrounded sure. by too many people who are uh, who know.
1: Yeah. Um, Because, and okay, I'll make my point when we get there.
0: <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs>
1: I mean, because we're like one scene away from ending the B plot. Anyway,
0: yeah, so. it's true. But, but a few s- no, there's two more. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, just two. But yeah, so yeah, I would I would kind of operate on the assumption that he knows. <laughs> but the way that he interacts with Marco, it, like I said, the popcorn scene I feel like could have been read as such. But I feel like with Degrassi, like I feel like they would have done a second scene setting that up, and then the plot would have been more about... I was kind of surprised. I was kind of waiting for this plot to become Sean is homophobic, Ellie has to call him out on it.
2: Yeah, but it didn't, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. Um, But anyway, so the next scene we have, um, which is, there's some really good little transitions in this plot, which I really like this whole episode, because the next scene we have is the dot, and it's after Spinner storms into the dot, because of the scene that we'll talk about in the A-plot. Ellie and Marco kind of watch him. They kind of go, okay. And then Ellie jumps into her conversation with Marco, where she says that she wants to dump Sean. Um, And Marco points out, like, you know, I don't think it's so much that, so much as, uh, you know, you kind of just drag me around like I'm some sort of security blanket. Like... You're just kind of using me and having me be there to offset whatever your anxieties are about this. Um, And you're not really giving him the space to kind of be your boyfriend, let alone a good one. So, you know, you got to be able to spend some alone time with him and truly get to know him. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting little twist in their relationship though. The fact that they started, you know, they they've always been very good you know, they've been good friends, but then you you had the whole thing where she was bearding for him and now and now it's him going like you can't use me to hide either. Huh? It's interesting.
1: They're both like I mean, they're only like 14, 15. Yeah. Like they're starting to grow up. Like yeah. you know, they're realizing that Platonic love is nice, but you need romantic, like you know, they, they want. If
0: you are romantically inclined, you you yeah. you want slash in many ways need a romantic develop like you know relationship to kind of explore and develop those feelings, etc., etc. et cetera.
3: Yeah,
0: it's interesting how how how. The tables have turned <laughs> this whole entire relationship.
1: Oh, uh, how the turntables!
0: They really have, though. Um, it's an int- but yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that they have with each other. Where it, it seems it's kind of nice seeing them have this second go around because I feel like with the first one there were a lot of codependency issues for various reasons. Ellie had her uh, like you know she had a crush on Marco. Marco needed her for for personal safety. And this time around, Marco is able to kind of have the clarity, go, wait, 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 time out. Like, let's not end up in a mess here. Let's let's try and grow and develop as two people, but also be very, very good friends. And I, I like seeing them be able to make that growth happen, and I like that they've been able... I'm glad they were able to stay friends after what had initially happened so that we can see what they're like now. Yeah. Um, so the final scene of the plot, Ellie approaches Shauna's locker, and Sean's just like, are, you, are we through? And Ellie's like, are you dumping me? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he had thought that he,
2: in his simple simple brain, his simple 14, 15-year-old boy brain, when Ellie said, got your wish, to him wanting time alone and left him, he had interpreted that as she was breaking up with him.
1: Yeah. Um, to be fair, he's,
2: like, I feel like most <laughs> teenagers would see it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Most of the time, I agree with you, it is because he's a dumb boy. And boys are dumb. But, like...
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I would never interpret that as as breaking up. Unless you, like, say the words, I'm breaking up with you. Because then it's like, (laughs) I got your wish, you you get some time alone. Like, that's time alone. It's not like you're breaking up. I don't know. Whatever. I
0: don't know. I I feel like I would have spiraled. I would have read into it too much. Myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, oh, God! It's over. It's done. When
1: I was... a Teenager and maybe it's because I wasn't a, a dumb teenage boy. I would be like some people like like You're so funny. I'm like oh my god. Do they really like me? Is that what's going on here? No, Uh-oh. can't be that And then I'd go around my head with it for like two months <laughs> And nothing would ever happen
0: uh, oof. But um meanwhile with this Ellie says that, like, you know, she's not really good at this, and specifically that she really hasn't had, like, a real romantic relationship, so she's, she's having difficulties kind of figuring out how to communicate, and how to set up boundaries, and be able to genuinely explore at, as a couple. And Sean kind of points out, like, you know, you could just ask me, like...
1: Okay, well, this is why, I, this is the thing I want to bring up. Yeah. Sean says, look, I don't hate Marco... Which, that's why I feel like, because we, we've also said this about Sean, is Sean is somebody basically of a blank slate personality. Yeah. That he just fills up with whoever he's hanging out with or dating at the time. hmm So, I think, once he realizes, okay, I'm dating Ellie, so I can't do the homophobia that Jay was portraying before. Yeah. And that I was portraying before. So, instead, I'm going to reaffirm, no, I do not hate Marco. Because of this He's a chameleon He is a chameleon And I do think That's why Jay didn't say anything terrible When he first saw Marco Because we've seen Jay Be a total shit In regards to that
0: How does that fit within the context of Dylan And his posturing toward Dylan
1: Dylan Jay's posturing towards Dylan (coughs) Excuse me was before Sean was his friend. So, Ed... Okay, so...
0: Okay, I think like I need a timeline of homophobia. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay, so, base level. Jay is homophobic. Okay. Um, he starts hanging out with Sean. Sean becomes homophobic, or was already there, but Jay is kind of like, I'm accepting of it. Whereas, Emma would not be accepting mm-hmm. of it. Um, then, uh, Sean and Ellie start dating... Sean's like, okay, I can't be homophobic anymore. I'm going to put a kibosh on it while I'm dating Ellie, and you better put a kibosh on it too, Jay.
0: Mm. This is my theory.
1: When okay. I say it out loud, it sounds like nonsense.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think I do follow. I think I follow what you're trying to say here. Basically, Sean, well, I think it goes back to Sean as a chameleon. So he kind of embodies whatever the, the the social vibe is of whoever he is surrounded by. Yeah. Plus, he 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 likes Ellie and now he has this conflict of interest, which has to do with, like, he has a socially conscious girlfriend, but he also wants to keep Jay in his life. So now he has to try and find a way to, to like, temper Jay, basically, to, to be palatable enough for Ellie to want to coexist with him. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it does kind of open up the discussion of like, what is the true Sean?
1: There's no true Sean. I the true Sean is, as Gwen said, a chameleon trying
0: he'll he'll get there
2: probably
1: i I honestly feel like it has to be a coping mechanism because hundred I mean,
0: percent is
1: bouncing from place to place. So it's better just to become whatever's accepted than try and be himself,
0: Yeah, this, this, is, this is a kid who's in like, fight-or-flight mode, I feel like, legitimately every second of the day. Like, he's just trying to get by and <clears throat> he he feels that he has a target on his back for many, many reasons. Some valid, some kind of self-appointed, i.e. stealing electronics. Yeah. But, you know, this is a kid who struggles a whole lot, so what is the easiest way to survive? Just kind of assume the, the, the tone of the group that he's surrounded by. Yeah. Back to having feelings about Sean. Cool. Uh, so, uh, he points out to Ellie that, you know, if, if he if she has any questions, like, she can just ask him, um, they kind of come to a consensus, and they kiss, and that's kind of the end of that plot. Which is a pretty sweet one. It's a very, like, once again, it's a trope that we see, but it's also a trope because I feel like this is a very common occurrence in teenage relationships. I like that it was um debased a little bit and kind of put on a group of kids that we wouldn't usually see this plot come out and it's nice to see ellie and marco are getting better and better at communicating their needs with each other yay yeah it's good um shall we go to the a plot (sighs) i mean we gotta um this is where all the content warnings are really gonna kick in um So, just kind of keep that in mind as we make our way through this one. Um, The episode opens with Paige inviting the crew on a minivan road trip. Um, Her parents are going to be away. She has the car keys. I don't know where Dylan is. Dylan's like, fuck this, bye! And she's just like, I can have multiple people in my car. So, um... You know, she's talking, she's talking initially to Paige, uh, Paige is talking initially to Spinner, Hazel, Jimmy, and that crew. Terry's kind of walking by. As she walks by, um, everyone kind of, like, you know, is happy to have her in, in the circle. Hazel invites her, and Terry brings up her concern that, you know, she's gonna be a fifth wheel if she tags along because the rest of the group is coupled together. Which makes me realize there was a time where, like, none of them were dating each other.
1: I mean, you know, Paige and Spinner have been going strong since the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, but, like, there was a time where this crew, this, like, this crew was, like, not all in each other's business. Which is interesting. I kind of forgot. I think it was because I'm so used as a veteran to them being coupled up. Mm-hmm. That, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, this this actually took a while. Like, it took literally until this episode in season three that we're seeing all of them together as a, as units like this in a scene. Yeah, which is interesting in a way um, because it felt so inevitable um, at least to me I don't know to you Frank
3: no
1: not really oh okay interesting
0: <laughs> um, anyway so Paige is like well you know if you feel uncomfortable about that you can invite somebody to come with if, if you know you really because like if that's going to be that much of a problem for you cue the opening then we go to Quan's, like okay
2: Wait, you, forgot, you forgot one little detail that I liked.
0: Please reveal the detail. Which
2: was, they're talking about the road trip, and naturally and, and Paige is probably going to drive. It's her car. Well, it's her parents' car. And Spinner tries to be cute, and he leans into her shoulder, asking Aldo Eyed, asking for the, the front seat. Can I have pretty please? Can I sit in the front seat? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, no! <laughs> you have to wait your turn, buddy! <laughs> Paige just shoots him down immediately. <laughs> i love that i I mean their relationship has its ups and downs but 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 i do appreciate it
0: yeah like i can see why they're together Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's that's sometimes a reach in teen dramas like sometimes you just kind of throw characters together and it doesn't really particularly make very much sense this one makes total and complete sense to me like It's just, and I also kind of like that there's this element of, like, page keeps Spinner vaguely humble.
2: Yes, (laughs) it's true. Um,
0: But I agree, that was a really good little detail to pick up on. After the opening, we're at Kwan's theater class? Is this just a theater class? I feel like this is functionally just a theater class.
2: Yeah. It's it's gotta be. Yeah. I don't don't know what else they'd be doing Trust falls in.
0: Yeah, like, they're doing, like, at first they're doing some, like, weird posing exercises, um, and then they kind of move to trust exercises. Um, Rick is in the class. Terry's in the class. Um, Quan tells them to kind of pair up with folks that they aren't initially paired up with, and Rick and Terry end up together. Terry is obviously very uncomfortable about this, as we talked about earlier in the episode. They had a brief, abusive relationship, and Terry is rightfully not happy to be paired up with Rick. Um, They go into two positions, and Quan announced that they're going to be doing trust falls. Um, Rick... (laughs)
2: He, okay, I, I have a lot of quotes in here from him, because... Let her rip. It, it, well, just throughout the episode. Yeah. Just because I feel it's important to really get his tone across, too. Yes. And his word choice, because mm-hmm. lo- it's so... It's calculated. Um, they go to do this thing. She's, she's clearly apprehensive, and he turns to her and says, Do you really think I'm going to let you fall? Um... Which you know, fine, but then he follows it up with a "trust me."
0: Mm-hmm. And when he catches her, he's like, "That wasn't so bad, was it?"
2: Ugh. Yeah, and it's just—it's a word for this, but he's—I—I I, I can't quite get it. But it's—it's it's just very smarmy, manipulative, smarmy, manipulative, con- condescending. He's
0: very condescending. Is,
2: is what I always get from him. Whenever I just look at his face, I'm like, "Ah, oh, yes." There it is. Yeah. You know what subreddit's Rick work would be on.
0: Oof. But it's <laughs> true, though. And I, I kind of appreciate that Rick is that type of guy, for lack of better terms. Because, like, we have seen Dean, a rapist who is a jock. Like, we've seen that type of piece of shit,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which is a very valid piece of shit to be frightened by. But I do like that Rick is kind of more of that m'lady type. Oh, God, world. he is. Right?
2: Oh, my God, you just said that, and now it's, <laughs> oh, it hit me like a, it's a day-old slab of meat in the face.
0: That's a very specific <laughs>
2: thing! couple days old. Woof! It <laughs> just, just had some rank smell to it.
0: Woof! But, um, yeah, he just <clears throat> kind of gives me that. He's he's that kind of dude. Like, we've seen that guy. Some of us have had the misfortune of dating that guy. And he, he hearkens to a very specific type of human that I have had the displeasure of meeting. And when I see him, he gets under my skin. Not just because of literally what he is saying, but like just that energy that he brings to it.
2: He's he's a man who quote unquote believes in chivalry. He does. Anyway, um, so they do the trust fall thing. It doesn't end terribly. Uh, Rick Rick tries to be friendly with her, and Terry seems to not quite hate it. Yeah, like because he does have a certain charm to him because that's what he does.
0: Exactly, like, they're talking about theater stuff, and, like, you know, just kind of, it seems like almost like a bonding moment of sorts that they're having between the two of them. Um, And as they, the conversation kind of dies a little bit, Rick says that he wanted to call her, Um, he does this long apology about his, how he's sorry about his temper, and that he hurt her, and, like, it's all his fault, and she just kind of, like, drops the conversation.
2: Yeah, so, like, the bell rings or some sort of excuse to leave, and she just leaves it unanswered. I... No, well... Um...
1: He's, he ends it with, I missed you, and to which she responds,
2: I know what you mean. Yeah. Which is yeah. the worst part. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... The problem is, I, I don't... Has Terry been in a relationship other than this? No. No. So this is all she she's used to. This is all she knows about relationships, and... Mm-hmm he did you know he wooed her um yeah he he made these grand romantic gestures and it was all nice and romantic and, and and flattering except for when he hurt her yeah multiple times if he apologizes for that she can make her it's it's easy to try and make herself to believe it won't happen again and all that's left is the good stuff exactly and you know, this, it's, it's a very, it's a very cliche narrative of, of abuse, but it's cliche for a reason. And it's, the cycles of abuse are talked about, um, because they are very consistent. Exactly. And
1: <clears throat> yeah, this is the like second half of the cycle that we saw started in the first, in the last episode, we saw them together.
0: Yeah, it's just like, it's it's one of those things where Terry, I mean, we've talked about this before, about how this couple is kind of a perfect storm of sorts, because Terry is the type of person who is pretty, I mean, she's very sweet. She's but, very forgiving. Yeah, she's extremely forgiving, and she's not the type of person to demand accountability when bad shit happens like you know she's just not the type of character like where she's going to say like okay i know that you're sorry but like what are you gonna do about it like are you gonna change anything are you going to therapy are you like you know she's not going to have any stipulations with them getting back together it's oh he said he's sorry oh he appears that to you know be upset about what he did and that's just kind of that's fine that's that's something And it's rough in that sense to kind of process it um, and kind of watch it as as an adult. I feel like this plot is, like, terrifying when you're older. Like, it, it obviously, like, rattled me a bit as a kid. But, like, as an adult, like, I feel like my heart is in my throat literally, like, every scene.
1: Because you know what's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not just like, oh, I know what's coming because, like, I've watched TV and I know how these plots play out. It's, oh, I know what's coming because I know jackasses like Rick and I've seen what they have done to people.
3: Yeah.
1: Like, you know, it's like going back and watching an old movie and you're like, oh, I did not get this when I was a kid. Exactly. But now I have some damage on me, so like...
0: No no. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that just the the uh, terror that is, you know, having more life experience. Um so that scene kind of ends on that note and the next scene we have is at the dot. Now, at the dot we have Spinner telling a weird ass story about farting or some shit. As he does. As he does. And Paige, Hazel, and Jimmy are together. Um,
1: we, we only hear the tail end of it, which is, anyways, whatever you do, don't order chili.
0: Thanks, Spinner.
1: Just eat Cheese Whiz.
0: God damn it. <laughs>
2: it always comes back to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because his character always references I'm telling you, there is a Bible. There is a Degrassi Bible that the writers were going off of, and it said in there, like, reference Cheese Whiz. He likes it.
1: It's, it, he's homophobia and cheese whiz. Sounds like. And bizarre outbursts about feminism sometimes? He's... He's a complicated man. He's... In, in that he's not complicated. But complicated is one of those little... He's compl-
2: not complicated peg, nor a man.
1: Peg holes.
3: <laughs>
1: God.
0: Um, um, anyway, so they're talking. As they're talking, Terry enters with Rick and... Um, they go to get food, Rick is like, oh, I'll get you a latte. Let's go. Um, and Paige is fucking pissed because she... She
2: just says, am I hallucinating? Yeah,
0: like... She's like, am I hallucinating? Oh. And then, first statement.
1: That, that's Hazel. Oh, it is. I right. The, I have the transcript open. I'm sorry. But, and the person who... Um, the person who wrote this transcript misspelled hallucinating as Hallucinating. Which... That's
0: relatable for this. Uh, honestly, That's yeah. on
1: point. Yeah, <laughs> I must be hallucinating.
0: <laughs> Feel it. Um,
1: That'd be a good term for if like, you're having a bad trip.
0: Yeah. Or just a bad hallucination. I am in hell hallucination. Anyway.
2: I'm in hell-nation.
0: Hell-nation. <laughs> hell-nation.
1: <laughs> um. hell-nation. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy then says, "I hope so." Paige says, and then Paige's like, "I so refuse to drive that freak around all day."
0: Yeah, like she's just like, "Fuck this!" Like, <laughs> she that's what she was thinking about. Um, and then they all kind of have this very sobering moment.
2: Well, Jimmy brings up the fact, yeah, that if if they refuse to to bring Rick along on this.
0: Well, there's a lot of pieces of it. If yeah. they
2: refuse to bring Rick, they they know they know Terry has has expressed the concern. She doesn't want to be the fifth wheel. And if they refuse to bring Rick, maybe she wouldn't come.
0: N- there's a progression, and... though. Yeah.
2: Do you I'm have sorry, the you quote?
0: Because I think the progression is very interesting. Um, Spinner
1: says, "Yeah, but we leave him behind. Guaranteed, we leave Terry behind." Hazel. Yes. Without any of us to look out for her, Jimmy, and then it's open season for Rick again.
2: Yeah, I was yeah. getting there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's it is. Oof, that's a line. It's open season for Rick again.
0: Yeah. Well, we we saw in in the initial episode that kind of introduced this plot line. Like Jimmy was the one that was really advocating for Terry in many ways, and was the one that was bringing up his, his concerns, and a lot of it wasn't really evidence-based at the time, it was just kind of like he was getting a bad vibe. So, he, you know, ended up being right, but he was very much, like, made uncomfortable by how Rick was talking over Terry consistently, um, and things like that. But yeah, like, they all kind of come to this consensus which is very scary for lack of better terms because it and I feel like this is kind of a I don't know if it's an intentional theme or not in this season but there seems to be this repeated realization amongst characters where they realize that they are teenagers in over their heads and I feel like this happened with Paige with Ellie this happened has happened with the initial go around with Rick and Terry It happens in this episode as well, and it's definitely happened in other times before where, like, you have a character kind of make a realization that, you know, they want to help so badly, but they are way out of their depth.
2: And the, the issue is, is that Terry is, she's very smitten. Even having, even having gone through that experience with him, you know, she, he makes her feel special. And it's very hard as friends to to have a conversation. And say your boyfriend is bad for you. That's a theme. That ex- that's that's a hard conversation. Has to have it as an adult. Yeah. Um. And so they're kind of put in this really hard place where they know it's probably not going to work if they just tell her to stop seeing him.
0: And they've tried it before. Like Hazel tried to. You know, try to point out that this was not good for her. And when she did, Terry just lashed out at her. Yeah. Which...
2: And, like, I also don't... I almost don't blame Terry. Because in her perspective... there's was a lot to her perspective, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is something that, that she thinks is good for her. Yeah. And and she's been she's been judged a lot in her life. Mm-hmm and this is something that this is just another one of those times where she's being judged.
0: Exactly. She she feels othered consistently amongst this group. Yeah. For various reasons. So it to have them question her relationship is an attack on her character.
2: Yeah. Yep. So... Anyway, so they let Rick on the trip. Yeah. Um, bad decision or, or, or not, it's the best they can do.
0: Exactly. Um, so they're at the park, um, and Rick, as they're kind of, like, relaxing, he, he goes to sit on the van, and Paige gets mad, saying, like, hey, <laughs> like, you know, don't dent my fucking van. That is actually my parents. Um... And Terry tries to de-escalate the situation by inviting Rick to sit on the bench, which was very interesting because Spinner is sitting on the bench, and as soon as Rick goes over, he jumps off the bench, which was a very subtle little detail that I appreciated. Um, And it's just, you can already sense that there is a lot of tension going on, and nobody knows how to handle it well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So they're 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 doing their best to avoid this conversation, but Paige cannot resist and she 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 tries to subtle, subtly check in with, with Terry, um by offering, you know, after 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 we, you know, hang out today, do you wanna come back and hang out with us? You know, girls night out?
0: Yeah, like we'll dish with the we'll girls. We'll dish with the
2: girls and you know, that's her way of saying, please let us talk to you. Yeah. Um which, you know, Terry picks up on immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and she knows that, that this is what this is about. She is is worried for her. And she tries to to affirm to Paige that it's okay because um, he apologized. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's fine. He apologized. It won't happen again. That's what she believes.
0: And, you know, Paige. Yeah, Paige is just straight up like Rick beat you and things like that. Like she is just trying to call it as she sees
2: it as she sees it it was just very accurate um calling him you know of course he apologized his type all his type always does so
0: yep and then they sent then they they send you a cheap shot
2: yeah so they can get another shot
0: and you can tell like how much like it's interesting because i feel like page page operates as somebody who's been hurt by men And that's what I really like about her, her anger in this scene. Like, she's, she's a example, and she was like this in Shout, and she's been like this when situations like this arise, where she is the angry survivor. She is the one who is not afraid to scream, is not afraid to... Shout. Yeah, shout. Yeah, exactly. But, like, she's not afraid to kind of, to, um, to just go off like this. Um... And it's very interesting to kind of see that subtext kind of unfold as she is yelling at Terry, like begging her basically to not end up in this cycle again. Um, but as this happens, like the most terrifying thing happens, which is Rick fucking whipping around from it just behind
2: materializes. Him. Because I got so stressed. Like, like he planned it. Like, like he was he was the villain walking out from behind the the, the pillar in the scene, and oh, uh, you didn't know, but I was here the whole time.
3: Yeah.
1: It it generally feels like okay. it fits so well mm-hmm. him doing this because it's just like in you can for me I could feel like I could see the gears turning his head like I'm gonna go around this like. I'm going to go around the side of this car, and I'm going to yell this thing, and they're going to all see how right
2: I am. Yeah, so he's, he, he needs to um, redeem himself to Terry. Mm-hmm. And and the way to do that is to tell her her friends are wrong, that she cannot trust her friends. And this is a tried and true practice of abusers. It's isolation. It's yeah. isolation. Mm-hmm. It's... 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 Um, it's, it's uh, it, sowing confusion and you don't know what's well, who to believe mm-hmm. but you can believe me yeah um because your friend is just yelling at you and he he tells her he whips around behind this van and he says you know have you have no right to dictate who terry's friends are which oh my god I, I didn't want her to drop. <laughs> well it did dahlia was having another claw situation <laughs> no dahlia please. Oh god, I even forgot. So he he whips around and he lists. Yeah. So he, he says, holding up one finger, one, you have no right to dictate who Terry friends are. Two, you're a vicious backstabber.
3: Yeah.
2: And th- it's very calculated. He was waiting for this moment, in my opinion, he was probably waiting for this moment because he knew it was going to happen.
3: Yeah.
2: He knew Paige was going to say something. He was waiting for her to say something so he could whip out his moral high ground on her and show that she is the person who you can't trust, not me.
0: Exactly. It's 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 very effective. It's a very effective technique, and yeah, I, I totally imagine him just kind of crouched behind the minivan, honestly. Ugh.
2: Yeah, and they get into a bit, you know, an argument, and uh, Rick said. It. I forget how he how it comes up, but he 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 says everything that Paige says is judgmental. She's a very judgmental person.
0: She likes to pretend that she's perfect. She likes it's to the pretend sentiment.
2: Perfect. Okay, um, and judges other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it gets ugly here. Um, where where Paige snaps back, I'd rather be, I'd rather be that. I'd rather be judgmental than than be a psycho.
0: Which, as we know, is kind of a. Like this, once again, like Degrassi is kind of in this dangerous kind of place in terms of how its portrayal of an abuser, in the sense that now this is the third time, at least, that use of terms like psycho or other ableist terms are Rick's trigger to make him behave this way. Um, because his reaction is just storming off. He kicks the car in the process. And...
2: Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a hard topic, because, you know, he has a right to be upset by that. Yeah. But... He, it does not excuse anything. It does not excuse Exactly. Actions.
0: Well, I think the problem that they ran into is not so much that... Like, I think the problem that they ran into with this one is Rick is one of the first characters in the Next Generation crew who has, like, a direct reaction toward ableist slurs of this nature. E- even though we have characters down the line that will be, will receive, like, will struggle with mental illness, will receive diagnosis, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, this is kind of your first one of the next generation crew. So you have that kind of misfortune that the first character kind of dealing with this directly is an abuser. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the thing. It's not so much... It's, it's hard because it's just like, I feel like it, it kind of just, it's just the timing of it is not great in that context.
2: I, I don't even know if the timing's not great. It's just it... It's messy. It's, yeah. it's not It's not black and white. It's not he's an abuser and that's the worst, you know, he's the demon. Um, I mean, okay, I mean, it kind of is that way. Yeah. But he is also being hurt. Regardless yes. of whether his actions weren't the responses that he gives, which they don't, mm-hmm. very clearly they do not, he is being hurt. And he has probably been called that word before for him to react that way. Yes. And he is he's known to have anger issues and people see that and that's where you get those 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 slurs hurled at you if, if you have anger issues if, if you have some sort if of if you act outwardly mentally you, Ill. yes that's what i'm trying to say and yeah it's this is just a it's i think it's an extraordinarily well-written episode and well done well acted too um but it's messy yeah, but I like la- I appreciate that because real life situations like this are messy. I agree. Very messy usually.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. I just wish that we had another m- explicitly mentally ill character on the show to kind of offset the implication that is kind of happening here. But like I said, there will be more down the pipeline, so. <laughs> It's not the end of the world to me as a viewer, but also I have that knowledge as a veteran that I know that there's going to be other characters. Um, sorry, we're more Dahlia nonsense off air.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So, so that sets him off. He kicks the car. Terry yells at Paige for acting the way that uh, for acting like this, um, and Paige just kind of says, "If I'm such a bad friend, then go, go." at terry
2: yeah talking about messy Paige. i you know emotions are high mm-hmm. and she's at the at her wits end trying to protect her and she's it's, it's she's frustrated and she does not handle it well because
0: And let's be real, she's probably activated to a certain extent as well. Like, we saw how she freaked out when she saw Dean in the vicinity of Manny. Like, obviously, like, she's worried because of Dean being a bad dude. But I think that Paige now, like, when she has, especially if she has, like, evidence that a guy is bad, she's now going to be very activated during that process because then it becomes i need to keep you know i need to keep other girls safe i don't want them to end up like me
3: mm-hmm.
0: and so when she sees this someone not willing to take her seriously it's not it's you know an attack on her character but it's way deeper than just the your mean page kind of read it's it's suggesting that her you know her her knowledge because of in spite of being a survivor is questioned Um, so, so Terry storms off, um, and meets up with Rick. Rick is kind of in, like, it looks like a kind of, like, a partially, like, a former construction site, or kind of, like, a store, like, you know, just, like, one of those weird parts of a park where it's, like, a dirt pile. Lots of rocks. But in this case, it's a lot of cinder blocks.
2: A lot of cinder blocks, and, like, the grass has grown over it, and it's kind of, like, a clearing. I don't know. They're, they're isolated.
0: Yeah. So Rick is They're just kind of yelling, kicks. Then he apologizes, um, and then he's like, in the process, you can tell like his 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 mood is like clashing, because in the process of being really angry, he then says that he's happy that he's back with Terry. Um,
2: well, what's going through his mind is he's realizing he's showing her his anger again. Yeah. And he's like, his his beep beep alarms are saying, I can't show this to her because then she'll she won't let me in again. mm Hmm. And so that's when he says, "I'm." So, he 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 goes back to romantic again.
0: Yeah, but his voice is very tense when. Oh well, yeah, because he's, he's faking it.
2: Yeah. He he's forcing it. He's yeah. in, he's, he's in an activated state, um, right, an angry state, and he is trying to get. He's trying
0: to hide it. Exactly, um, and Terry is trying to de-escalate the situation. They kiss. She tries to invite him back to the group, um, and he's like, you know, I want to walk, and I think he wants to, like, walk home, it sounds like. Uh, he's, he's he's he just wants more... to
2: cool off. I don't know. He doesn't want, he does not want to see them. Yeah. It's very clear.
0: Yeah, and Terry's just like, you know, that'll be kind of far, like, it, it's, you know, it's just kind of, like, you know, not really worth it. Rick points out that he's uncomfortable because Paige called him a psycho. And Terry then tries to dismiss it because it's just Paige being Paige. But that agitates Rick more because now he feels that his feelings are being invalidated and dismissed because Paige is able to act this way without fault.
2: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's just, you know, it's it's a hard situation. He's regardless of him being an abuser and having hurt Terry in the past, his feelings are still very real in this moment. Yeah. And that, you know, her just... Uh, Terry saying, that's just Paige being Paige. Totally. He says, he, he, he says to her in a very hurt tone, my feelings don't matter. And... it's it's just, it's messy. Again, everything's yep. just really messy. Um.
0: And I think it goes back to teenagers being out of their depth. Right? Because it's like a, you have a, um, you know, you have a kid who is in crisis because he was told this, um, does not have the coping mechanisms to kind of get calm. And then also you have, um, Terry, who doesn't really have the tools to kind of help him through the crisis so once again it gets into this very messy territory and i do appreciate it because i feel like we don't i feel like it's presenting this stuff and you see the obvious like triggers and activation and things like that but it's not in at least the way the episode came off to me it doesn't seem like they're giving rick a pass for this
2: no, they're giving a reason. Yes. They're giving, they're giving a trigger. That's what they're yes. giving. They're not giving an excuse.
0: Exactly. And it's, it's very, <laughs> it's, sorry, Dahlia caught sight of the water bottle and, and ran, but now he's back. Um, but it's one of those things where you do see, it's a very good example of like a reason for why somebody acts this way, but also not excusing the behavior. Um, as he gets more and more agitated, he grabs her, he ke- he starts yelling, um, he grabs her tighter and tighter, and says that, says, you're not going back to her, you're not, you're not.
2: At this point, she's, she's trying to tell him that you're hurting me, you're hurting me, you're, you're, he's grabbing her wrist too tightly. Yeah. Um, she tries to get away, get away, away, away. he's not letting her, she tries, you know, he, he wants to drag her along. Um, to go walk with him and away from the group. And and I forget exactly how it happens. He just,
0: like, he does let go of her. And when he does, I guess because they're kind of like...
2: Well, he gives her a push. In in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Um, like, he's holding her wrists, and he's saying... (laughs) you can't leave, do you understand? And, like, she's trying to pull out of his grip.
0: Yeah, I kind of read it as, like, a fuh. Yeah,
1: and he just finally kind of throws her towards the ground.
2: And, so you mentioned before, the clearing they're in. it has got a lot of cinder blocks. Um, Terry, I, I don't know why she doesn't, but she does not break her fall, and she slams her head right back directly on a cinder block. Well, I mean, she's falling straight backwards. Yeah. So... Yeah.
0: It's kind of hard to write yourself when you're falling like that.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I guess so.
0: Also, the shock of getting shoved by a human that you care about probably doesn't help. Um, but yeah, she hits it. The the sound cuts out for a second. Kind of slow-mo's a little bit as she lands. Um, and Rick is freaked out. Um, meanwhile, at the park, at the main part of the park, Hazel is kind of charming an audience, it looks like. Um, she truly is the gift of Gab.
1: Uh, I know, I wanted to mention this before, but, yep. like, we were in a group. But, like, what I one of the things I like about this is when Rick originally walks off, Jimmy is just standing there. Mm-hmm. Like, just kind mm-hmm. of, like... In utter shock of what's happening around him. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I feel like, and I feel like that was also a very good bit of acting choice of, like, oh, my friends are having a fight. I'm just gonna, just not say anything.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, on one hand, I was a little, when I was processing this episode, I was kind of like, it feels like Jimmy didn't really do very much after he, he tried to do quite a bit in Never Gonna Give You Up. And there's a part of me that I, like, would have liked to see Jimmy more involved, but there's also a part of me that feels like how you feel, Frank, where it's like, you know, sometimes, like, you're watching it happen, and you're just like, <laughs> like...
1: Well, I also feel like Jimmy said if Rick, bo- like, told Terry to come to him if Rick bothers her. Yeah. And I feel like he was waiting for that.
0: That's a good point, too. So. Yeah. So, and once again, kind of reiterates being out of your depth, not really knowing what to do, just trying to, trying to just, you know, try and not make things worse, even though in the process of doing that, you might make things worse.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if Jimmy had, like, his dithers, he would have formed a human shield around Terry with, like, every other boy he knew. <laughs> right. But, um, that's But. not what happens.
0: No, it's not. So, Hazel's just kind of talking, Paige is worried about Terry, um, and... Spinner notices that she's kind of concerned, so they walk around trying to find her, and when they do, they go to the clearing, and they see Rick crouched over, and then realize... Catching him
2: literally red-handed,
0: because she hit her head
2: pretty hard, and she's bleeding. Yeah. Um, And it looks real bad.
0: It does. So they're like, oh, there's Rick, and then they see Terry, (laughs) and they're like, oh, fuck. Um... But yeah, so they walk over. Um, they recognize that she's bleeding. Spinner calls 911. Um, it's it's really grim. <laughs> Dahlia.
1: Sorry, Dahlia. Just not tonight.
0: <laughs> this is not the episode to yeah. do this. Um, meanwhile, at school...
1: <laughs> She'll forget.
0: Next... She <laughs> will, it's true... At school, Radish does a video announcement that Terry has been hospitalized. Um, It's in the middle of Snake's class. And Marco presses for details. um, And Snake keeps intentionally vague. Um, At one point, he cites, like, you know, minors are involved. He can't say exactly what has been going on. Um, And Spinner, because he, you know, wasn't there at the initial fall, but was able to fill in the blanks um says like no like i know who did it and tries to kind of tries to like publicly uh call out rick um and snake just is trying really hard to de-escalate the situation
2: he's 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 reminding them this is the space they have right now is about processing their feelings not about talking about the details of of a case, of, of a criminal or whatever. Yeah. Investigation. This is about how do you feel about it? Exactly. How, how can we get through this together?
0: It's a really tough place to be. I don't...
2: Yeah, no, it's... It, he handled it pretty well. Um, and... And the the best part that he did here was, was transition to... Let's, let's be thinking about what your feelings and what we can do for Terry.
0: Exactly. Which
2: gives the opportunity um that page made this card for her
0: oh it's so good which is as
2: as imagine it's very page it and is. it's also like four foot by three foot
0: yeah it's massive <laughs> it's, it's a gigantic <laughs> card
2: um i'm page and i don't do anything in small right yes and it's yeah it's it's very sweet um she's very she's not making this about herself though it's very clear. It's just, that's just who she is. She does these, this is, this card is very page, but it's not about herself. It is actually for Terry.
0: Exactly. Um, <clears throat> next scene, Paige and Spinner go to see Terry in the hospital. Um, she's not looking good. Um,
2: yeah. yeah, she's, she's not, um, she's unconscious still.
0: Yeah. Uh, head is wrapped up. And bandages. Um, it's
2: I think do they have her on a she's like, ventilation? Yeah, there? it looks like
0: she's on ventilation of some sort.
2: It's scary.
0: Yeah. It's it's traumatic to see, honestly. Um, and as they're kinda of waiting outside the room, just kinda of looking in, they see Terry's dad. Um they pass off the card to her to him and he notes that she'll have surgery. Um and he just kind of asks himself, like, how could anyone do this to her? Um, Spinner and Paige look really uncomfortable when they hear this, and he asks if they knew. Um, and Paige just kind of says she thought it was under control, and he is very, very upset hearing that.
2: He, he didn't realize that Rick was had hurt her before. He didn't realize he was abusive towards her. He did not know. And he got really upset that they withheld this information from him And they shouldn't have th- i mean that was it's hard cuz like when you're a teenager you think you can handle things that you can't you mm-hmm. think you could you think things are under control you don't want to make a big deal of things um you don't want to talk to adults when you don't have to mm-hmm. yeah but he really should have and he was upset and and yeah. he was right to be upset he he did lash out at them pretty hard and they are just kids mm-hmm. yeah. but you know he's a dad and he's a parent and his, his kid is not looking good no and it's just
1: like it's just like besides this you know besides this going against like you know the basic of natural order that like this should not happen to a child should happen to the parents, like you know, the parents should always go first. Mm-hmm. But this is also a dude who lost his wife not that long ago. It's
0: true, like he is um, alone. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, this but, is his only daughter. Yeah,
3: and
0: he's oh, a widower. Or...
1: So like, I, I agree. Like he did go very hard at these children, but like <laughs>
3: this
1: I, is all he has left. If I was in his shoes, I don't think I'd be able to control my emotions either.
0: Exactly. And, and it's hard because it's like, there, there's a lot of layers, and I like how messy they're kind of unpacking this, because it's not just a, a, I don't know, there's something about the way that there is this messy component of it where they didn't disclose, and it's tricky because it's like, if you work with kids, it's reporting is a black and white issue you are a mandated reporter if you work with kids if you see anything that looks like it could be abusive it's on you have to report it period if it doesn't end up being abusive then fine whatever you work with it then but like if you see something you need to say something or you are gonna you are legally responsible and this kind of goes back to the baseline of like this is a show for kids and this is the messiness that is when you are not trained in it Like, when you have not sat through trainings, when you have not existed very much in the world yet. Like, how- how, you know, the- the consequences that can happen because you don't- because you're not sure if it's in your place to do anything or say anything about what is happening. Um, but the next scene we have is kind of in front of the dot, Paige is dropping Spinner off, and Paige starts crying.
2: I mean, they just went through a really intense experience at the hospital. Yes, yeah. she tried. She held it together at the hospital. She didn't cry. She didn't. I mean, she Her, took da- dad. Out. She took it, but you can only hold out so long, and she it it breaks.
0: Yeah, she starts crying and like erratically, like making out with Spinner, and Spinner points out that she's upset. Like you know, let's not do this, um, and then. Paige lashes out, blaming Spinner for not leaving Rick at the dot. And Spinner says that, you know, you were the one who told her to go off with him. Um, And they're both pointing fingers as to how this happened. And once again, we get into this very messy piece of it.
2: Yeah, it's just, you know, Paige is just upset. Like, she is, is clearly not handling things well she starts as as Donnie mentioned erratically making out with Spinner um and Spinner you know could have could have taken the her her lashing out saying it's it's his fault and realizing that that's not she doesn't actually mean that she's just upset but he doesn't and he's he's a kid too he's got feelings he doesn't want to be stepped all over and hurt in that process. And he lashes out back.
0: Oh, they're both deeply guilty. And they're,
2: and yeah, they both feel guilty. Um, they're both hurting they're both upset. And it's hard to handle this maturely regardless of your age.
0: It's true. Um, then, um, next scene (laughs) that we have, it's Spinner kind of stomping through the parking lot towards school Um, he sees Paige and kind of makes eye contact with her in the minivan, and then he sees that Rick is sitting in the passenger seat of a car. Um, he approaches Rick, um, and kind of like tosses him against the car, um, and Paige runs over to try and yank him off of Rick. As this is happening, um, Rick's mother is coming in with a box of presumably Rick's things from the school. Um, And tells Paige and Spinner to stay away. Um, And as after she says that, she kind of ruffles Rick's hair before kind of putting him back in the passenger seat. Um, Ruffles? Yeah, she she, like ruffles his hair. Like, you know, kind of runs her hand on the top.
1: It's... yeah, I, I th- for some reason thought she, like, kissed the top of his head or something. It's some moment of affection. Yeah, it's like... Really, I yeah, missed that entirely. I yeah. thought she was kind of agitated with uh, him and... No, no, no. I, she's okay. not
0: agitated at Rick, I don't think.
1: I, you know, I I hate every scene with Rick now, but, like, I thought this was, like, a very good either directing or acting choice, mm-hmm. because it's just, like, it's so perfect, like, parent-wise... Of, like, I know what you did. Like, I no, no matter what you did, you're still my kid. Like.
0: I don't know how much of it is that. It's just, like, I don't believe that you could do this. Yeah. Like, I think they are all targeting you.
2: Well, who knows? We don't know. We don't, we know. don't know. We don't it know. There could be some mix of the two.
0: It's, it's yeah. true, but there is a moment of <clears throat> affection. And also, I feel like there is this, uh... Like, let's be real, it is incredibly difficult to process that somebody you're close to, especially when it's your, like, you know, immediate family is capable of doing something like this.
3: Yeah.
0: So, there could be many factors for it. But, yeah, she ruffles his hair. Um, Paige runs to Spinner, and Spinner is freaking out because he says that he's like Rick because he's violent. Um, and Paige tries to affirm to him that he's different.
1: What I like about this scene
2: is it's not a cut. It just follows them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fluidity in this episode, which I really enjoyed.
2: Yeah, yeah we mentioned it before in, in the B-plot. Um, a lot of times, scene transitions would be following the characters in the A-plot. And, like, like within the same scene, that scene ends. One person see the, uh, storms off through the scene. You see that in the background, and in the, in the B-plot starts. There's a lot of just overlap, and it was a very, a very seamless episode. I, I really, really liked this episode. It's probably actually my favorite on a technical level, on an emotional level, it's a really hard topic, but I think they really did a great job with it across the board. Um, yeah, anyway, we got this last scene here in the episode. Um, uh, 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 Page, Page, and Spinner go back to the hospital, and and Terry's dad is there. Um, naturally, they're very they're very wary of him after what he said last time, but he he apologizes. He he acknowledges that he was just lashing out at them. He he understands things are hard, and that that he he just says he's sorry. Yeah. Um. He yeah. says he's sorry, but but Paige and Spinner also apologize to him because you know they should have said something, and they acknowledge that too. So it's kind of the it's it's a scene of the three of them. Just apologizing to each other in this this really sucky situation.
3: Yeah, it's. Ugh.
2: But he,
1: has, yeah, he says he's gonna go back in there in case she comes around and they
2: decide to stay.
0: Yeah, um... he, he he gives us
2: one line, um, which I thought was a good kind of like closing line here. He says, "Thanks for carrying guys." You're good friends. Yeah. Which is something, oh my gosh, they probably were so happy to hear even in the situation because they probably think they're terrible friends at this moment. So,
0: yeah. there is that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this was a very strong episode.
1: The the thing, the last, I do want to just quick go back to the scene before this. Yeah. Where Spinner's saying he's, mm-hmm. he's comparing himself to Rick and he's just like, I'm just like him. I'm so, I'm just violent and whatnot. And Paige Makes the indication that when I said to stop, you stopped. Like you're mm-hmm. not like him,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I I just really like that scene, like making like mm-hmm. uh, showing the difference between the two.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that's stopping when when she says stop is probably very important to her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to point sure. out the obvious, but but you know. no, no, for sure
2: anyway um anyway, we're left with our classic degrassi still um well page and spinner are kind of like looking holding concerned. each other looking yeah. concerned at terry and ugh, it's a it's a hard note to leave on i don't know i mean i probably won't watch the next episode i don't have a lot of time in my life unless i'm on this next episode whatever hey, do we you want
0: to be it's fun
2: oh oh but is that about this i think that's an entirely different topic it's
0: mm, yeah it's entirely different
2: <laughs> but, but i'm talking about not knowing what happens it's about is, a different brain sex
0: yeah. <laughs> Every boy in Degrassi sucks except for Marco.
2: <laughs> anyway, it's, yeah, it's a hard note to leave on without knowing because Terry is in a bad state and who knows if our surgery is going to go well. We don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We don't know what's going to happen. We don't. And I said this before, but I thought this episode in, in particular was very well acted. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. everybody really came out with their game for this.
0: It's interesting because I feel <laughs> this rewatching Degrassi is a very interesting experience for me because it's like, I don't want to say Degrassi is a broken clock because I actually think they're right quite a bit, but they run into this issue where I feel like when they're on, everybody's on. It feels like everyone rises to the occasion. The actors rise to the occasion. The directors rise to the occasion. The writers rise to the occasion. When they want to do something right, they rally behind it but when they don't care enough or don't feel that they need to care enough for whatever reason, it feels like those episodes are bogged down on so many levels. Um, and it's a very interesting kind of, like, up-and-down show because of it. Because it's like, you get brilliance like this, but then you get, like, lows that are pretty fucking low. It's, it's an interesting show in that context. Um, very... It's very fascinating watching it and having to, like, critically analyze it week to week. Yeah. So, what's the rating on this one, Frank?
1: I'm gonna give it an A minus. No, I'll give it a solid A. Like, it's hard to watch, but it's a good episode. Um, I felt like texting you, Donnie, while I was... So, like, I sent one text to Donnie... And then I stopped watching the episode because I just saw Rick and I'm like, oh, God, it's Rick. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I can't handle this right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But then I watched all the way through and I really wanted to text you my reactions to it, but I was just like, you know what? I'm going to save those.
0: Yeah. yeah that's like,
1: true. But I mean, also, I think you could figure out my reactions as I went through the episode.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. So,
1: um, character rankings, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of people in this episode. Hazel and Jimmy are both rising for, especially for that scene where they're just, like, all coming together and realizing, like, they need to be there to protect Terry. Being good friends, they're on the rise. Sean and Ellie for figuring it out. You two are on the rise. Alex is on the rise for...
2: Just I love her. strong arming 20 bucks. I love her. Especially to Jay. Please, put him in his place.
1: <laughs> um, Jay didn't do anything horrible in this episode, and he... Ugh. Uh, he's bumping up a half-step. Because, like, I don't want to reward somebody for being a decent human being. For, That's fair. For being base level. Yeah. Marco is, like... Marco, just just go fucking hang out with Paige <laughs> at the top of the like heap. Because, like,
2: you two are both perfect. Um I'm still laughing so hard about that movie scene. Oh, it's so
0: good. <laughs> it's so good.
2: Um Um
1: Spinner is on the rise for just trying his best. Um, um Terry I I don't know if I'm going to ever see Terry again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, I don't, i Terry's going to remain where she is in my, my mm-hmm. rankings, in my nebulous rankings, cause like, I did not care for what happened, but I understand why it happened. Yeah. And that's the worst part, but I'm, you know, it's part of it and it sucks so bad. Um. In case I don't ever see Tara again, she gets to go hang out in the um, one-off room with Attila and all the others. Of all those kind people. Um, Rick remains where he was the last time we saw him, which is in one of the three pong mouths of the devil. Dante's Inferno style. Um, Mr. Simpson for... Or Snake, excuse me, for trying his best to de-escalate the situation and also just being pumped to be back at school and back at work. He's on the rise. Um, we forgot to mention his... I'm not sure we mentioned his one line where he's like, remember, applause won't help your fa- your final grade only by a few percent.
3: <laughs> I thought that was really cute. Yeah,
1: it was. Um, Paige, she did her best. So you can just stay where she currently is. I think that's it. Oh, um, Terry's dead. He's on the rise for for realizing these are kids and I should treat them better. Yeah. Despite what he's going through, which sucks so fucking much.
0: Yeah. This was a hard one. It was. Um. Next is Recommendations. Um, so this is where we recommend things that are related to the episode, um, as well as things that we are enjoying, etc., etc. I think this episode is really good. I think it holds up. I think it's something that is worth watching if you, um, want to further explore discussions of this type of topic. The B plot is delightful while also having a really important ending note concerning, like, communication and all that type of stuff. Um... I feel like we have a lot of recommendations in our backlog relating to this topic as well because this is something we have revisited a few times at this point. So I would also recommend checking out our backlog for some of the recommendations we've given for other episodes that handle this topic. Um, I'm going to recommend something lighthearted because I needed it after watching this episode. Um, I finally started a podcast called Blank Check, which is really fun. Um, One of the hosts is Griffin Newman, who was... Kind of in the news a little while back because he was the one who donated the entirety of his salary off of a Woody Allen movie to Rain um, and made like a very, you know, a very public statement about it. Um, And it's very funny and very silly, but also they're very knowledgeable about films, which is really enjoyable. So if you want to listen to a podcast dedicated to talking about like movies that are just kind of movies that were made after somebody had some accolades and had the ability to kind of blow a budget on something, um, it's a really enjoyable thing to listen to. So I'm having a lot of fun.
2: Uh, Honestly, I don't... So I was trying to think of recommendations that have to do with an abuse narrative, and honestly, I drew a blank. Um, I don't know if I've really read a story directly about that or 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 watch something about that not not off the top of my head other than this episode
0: i feel like you didn't read enough ya growing up i didn't
2: yeah i didn't i totally didn't um but what i'm going to recommend is kind of like a abuse adjacent kind of narrative which is bullying um there's this manga that i actually quite really like it's sitting on our shelf here it's called A a silent voice it's english translated it's about it's about a Two characters um, this, this young boy who bullies this girl who is deaf and it gets a lot of messy emotions involved with that eventually the class kind of like scapegoats him as this bully and turns everything on him and he becomes now the subject of being bullied for a while and the story progresses and how these two characters kind of reconcile this all this pain and hurt that they went through and then how can they exist in, in a space and and be Friends potentially even after all this has happened. Um, it deals with like some similar similar themes. They're very different in 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 approach, but mm-hmm. similar kind of pain.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's really great. I the cast is really great. Emotions are are really fully thought out, and it's it's a really good read. Um, seven volumes long, I think. I will say there was a movie made of this, an animated movie. Uh, do not watch that. I do not recommend that version. I was, I haven't seen it myself, but I was told it it, it did not do it justice at all. Um, very much romanticized the disability the character has, and 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 sexualized her, this young girl as well. Anyway, don't don't watch the the movie if you if you have the time. Um, read the book. It's good. Handles disability very well too.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna uh, suggest something lighthearted, and I know this is gonna seem ridiculous. I'm going to recommend the movie Shazam.
0: I haven't seen it yet.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, good. Let us know, because I am curious.
1: I really enjoyed it, actually. Like, I would put it on par
2: with Captain Marvel. Honestly, um, I mean, I was
0: charmed by the trailer, so I'm happy to it, hear this.
2: And like It's not something I'm interested like in at all, but I heard some good reviews and but I'm 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 good to I'm glad to hear. Well, the kids
0: sounded like kids in the trailer, which is why I was interested.
1: Yeah, and it's like you know, Billy the the whole thing is like, you know, uh Billy Batson is when he says the word Shazam, he becomes a superhero. It's yes. And, like, it's obviously, like, the greatest conceit for a superhero ever. But, like, that's not what this movie is about. The movie is about, like, Billy has been running from foster homes trying to find his real mom. And then finally he gets, um, he's put in a foster home with five other kids. Um, and just this, like, super loving pair of foster parents. And what I love about it is that it's not, like... It's not romanticized. It's, like, it's multi-ethnic. Like, um, you know, it's messy. They're, like, there's there's a grit to it because these kids, they're poor. Like, they don't have a lot to go go with. It's not just like, we're gritty and dark. It's like, no, we're gonna hang out in, like, empty warehouses because that's what we know. That's where we go. And it's just, it's wonderful. Like, I just... I was super charmed by it. I really loved it. Um, and it's the best thing Marvel's put out since Wonder Woman. Not Marvel. Marvel DC. <laughs> it's the best thing DC's put out since Wonder Woman.
0: i have to check that out. Um, yeah, I'm really happy
1: to hear that. There, and, yeah. To say any more would be spoiling. The only thing that kind of doesn't fit is the villain. Uh, because he's just seems kind of out of left field, but whenever he's not on the screen and it's just the kids hanging out and being bros, it's super good. Nice. Um, and these are, like, definitely, like, 14-year-olds. Like, Zachary, he like, portrays a 14-year-old really
3: well. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So I highly recommend Shazam.
3: Okay.
1: Um, Bring your kids, bring, you know anyone it's a
2: very good movie y'all did recommend captain marvel on the show i hope yeah we did okay good because it was great too yeah on on the note of superhero movies yes Yes.
1: i've seen captain marvel four times
0: at this point wow
1: everybody's just like hey i want to go see this movie that seems interesting i'll bring frank along i saw little last night how was that like funny but weirdly edited like sloppily edited
0: (laughs) Mm, okay but um, Regina
1: Hall does great. Uh, the actress who plays the little girl does great. You say Ray does great. It's super funny. That's
0: good. <laughs> um, with that said, Gwendolyn, you've made it through. Yay! Are there ways that people can continue the conversation with you?
2: Um, yeah, I guess I, I do have a Twitter. It's not very active at the moment, but it's underscore f-r-o-p-p-y if you want to talk i i will respond probably (laughs) (laughs) great
0: and if you want to keep in touch with the podcast there's a couple ways you can do that you can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com feel free to send us any questions comments concerns any propositions to co-host as well as any text or audio files talking about how degrassi has impacted you um and influenced you you can also follow us on social media at ihopepod on twitter You can also join our Facebook group. I hope I can make it through podcast. Um, Right now, there are some ways that you can support the show. We are offering a challenge of sorts to our listeners. If you can provide us 20 ratings and reviews, we're going to go back into the Degrassi archives and actually try and give our thoughts about some Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High episodes. Um, If you want to financially support us, um, you can donate to our coffee account. Any donations made are going to be put toward tech upgrades as well as compensating our guests. If you'd like to talk to me individually, you can contact me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable.
1: Um, I don't have another
2: podcast,
1: but. Um...
0: Wait, what? <laughs> oh
1: my God. You don't have another
2: Twitter, <laughs> but you do have another podcast. I'm first. Let me get this for you <laughs> I don't have another. I don't have a Twitter. But I do have another podcast
1: called Teen Girl Talk. Um, right now, we're in the middle of Sports Month. Uh, this week, uh, Bring It On went up. Um, so yeah, and the week before that was John Tucker Must Die, which does not hold up.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> um, I can imagine. So yeah, uh, you can check that out, and also. Um, Uh, Hit us up with your favorite Degrassi scenes. We're not going to say why just yet, but just do that.
0: Yes, any specific dialogue exchanges that really are iconic to you, do not hesitate to send them to the email. I will screen them.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um.
0: With that said... hmm. I can't believe it. I feel like this is one, another early episode. We're like, wow, we're going to be able to...
1: I think we're getting more efficient. I hope like that's with the, the case. With the, especially with the b where We're just like, hey, this kid's person says a shitty thing. All right, cool. Acknowledge it. Move Ooh. on.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, well, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. So until next week, everybody.
1: Later.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.
0: There's
3: a battle ahead. Many battles are end of the road while you're traveling with me hey,